I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast therein. The humble will cry out and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Where are my praises? Where are my praises that don't need a keyboard? Where are my praises that don't need a praise team? Where are my praises that all you got to do is think about the goodness of God? All you have to do is Think about, see, all I got to do is think about the fact that Jordan couldn't talk and they said she wasn't going to talk and she about to be a senior. All I got to do is think about that. All I got to do is think about the fact that I was in a car accident that the people that were there don't know how I walked away from. All I got to think about is the fact that my husband got on a plane and went all of these hours, all of these hours, and then he made it there safely. All I have to do is think about how God kept us during a pandemic. All I got to do is stop and think about it. I wish I had some people. I wish I had a hundred people, 500 people, a thousand people, people who just strolled by the video this morning, scrolled by the video this morning, and that they would see and stop and praise God with me and magnify God with me. Psalms 103 tells us, it says, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. Say there are some benefits to walking with God. There are some benefits to walking with God. It is never a loss to walk with God. There are some benefits to walking with God. And you got to get to the point the Paul told Timothy to stare himself up. You have to get to the point that you can stare yourself up. You have to get to the point that if you're laying there thinking, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill, that you get up and begin to prophesy to yourself and say, I'm going to pay this bill the way I paid the last bill. I didn't know how I was going to pay. The Lord is going to make a way. He's going to raise up. He's going to create an opportunity. Favor is going to come. I don't know how I'm going to get over this sickness the same way I got over sickness last time. Why? Because Jesus Jesus bore his stripes. You for my healing. You got to learn how to stare yourself up. You have got to learn how to anchor yourself and not be a person who is so moved by things externally. You have to decide to be moved by God. And as long as he's still on the throne, as long as he's still on the throne, there is still victory for me. Is he, is he still on the throne? As long as he is still on the throne, there is victory for me. So I'm super excited to be here today. I am so super excited to be here today. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I love Jesus. I love you all. I, I love this ministry. I love getting to work. I'm just, I'm just full of love. I'm full of excitement, and I hope you are too. And you shouldn't come. I, you know, I was teaching my, um. My inner circle the other day, I said, you ought to make a decision that you don't let yourself get out of bed until you've decided to give to have a good day. That you don't let yourself just jump up. You don't get up until you've decided to have a good day. Well, Pastor Sean, how could I have a good day when there's so much ca catastrophe in the world and there's so much craziness and gas prices are still high because I'm still a candidate to experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Today is a good day day. It is a good day. It is filled with goodness. It is filled with favor. It is filled with divine protection. It is filled with abundance. It is filled with mercy. It is filled. Hallelujah. So that's my introduction this morning. Listen, so 
I want to talk to you guys today about being complete in God. Um, we um, being complete in God and really, you know, we've been studying that. How many of you have been uh, a part of our services of the last several weeks when we were teaching about the resurrected life? Um, um, and today I'm, I really want to stay in the vein of that, but I want to take it a little further because I've noticed um, that there are a lot of believers and as, as prices go up and as things get crazy in the world, your mouth is getting a little reckless. So I wanted to bring you back to who you are. See, because this message of being complete in Christ, guys, this message of being complete in Christ, it cannot be something that we only do in church. And so we stare ourselves up for an hour to 90 minutes talking about we're complete, talking about we're the mirror image. And then you get off and go to the gas station and you complain. And I said to some people the other day, and maybe this is your testimony as well, that if you're honest, five years ago, if gas prices had been this price, you could not have filled up your tank. So how dare you go to that tank and complain? What you ought to do when you're pumping gas is say, I decree and declare, I don't care how high gas get, God is still going going to provide for me. And God is not a bare minimum God. Not only is he going to provide for me, but I can buy somebody else gas if I need to. Do you know it is just as easy for God to bring gas prices down? I mean, it's just as easy for God to increase your income as it is for God to bring gas prices down. And so many of you, you're so focused on inflation. You're so focused on the negativity that you don't see that there are opportunities for increase and you don't have to be barely making it and you don't have to be going to the gas station grumbling and complaining because you can be thankful because God is good and he's still a provider. Now, if you think about it, guys, we've been preparing for this all year long. We got a word from the Lord. It says what? Don't panic. Don't be in fear. Don't get out of love. Then we taught about the names of God and we taught about God being Jehovah Jireh. Does he only provide when gas is 195? Does he only provide when the when the shells are full? Or does he provide all the time? Well, I know him to be a God who provides in every season. In fact, what I have found out about God is that recession and famine is where God shows up and shows out for the believer who won't let go of his faith. Did you hear what I said? Recession and famine is where God shows up and shows out for the believer. I didn't just say the any believer, for the believer who will not let go of his faith. I want to challenge you because many of you, you've got the kind of faith that you believe if you die, you're, you're going to heaven. But where your faith needs to be solidified is that the same God who is taking you to heaven is also giving you the ability to bring heaven into earth. No one in heaven doesn't have enough food. No one in heaven can't get where they need to go because of gas prices or angel fuel or however they move around up there. Nobody in heaven is lack, is in lack. If you can believe in a supernatural God who came from a virgin, who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross, who got up and gave you all power. Why are you at the gas station complaining? It should not be named among us. 
well, Pastor Sean, I really don't have a lot of money. Is it because you complaining so much? Are you missing the opportunities for increase? Are you missing the opportunities for good because you're so focused on what you think you don't have instead of stopping and rehearsing all that God has done and all of his provision? Amen, amen, amen. Let me take a sip of water. We're going to pray. And we're going to get this thing rolling. So the first place I want to go to, I'm going to tell you already, we're going to Colossians 2.10 because we need to look at this scripture in the mirror translation. But then we want to look at some other scriptures today because you got to learn how to stare yourself up. You have to learn how not to be moved in times of adversity. You have to learn to allow the word to anchor your soul. And so I believe we're going to do some good work here so we can do some self-reflection and learn how to notice when our thinking feeling cycle is out of place when we are at the gas station at the grocery store when we're liking different posts on social media when we're liking a post that says um if gas keep getting high i'm gonna have to ride my bike i'm not riding my bike nowhere but enjoyment that's where i'm riding my bike and i'm not doing that if it's hot because how can i believe in a god who has streets made of gold and can't believe that he can fill my tank. Like, I mean, come on, we who are we? Who are we? Who is our God? We have to stop acting so normal in times of trouble. That's when the world should be able to look at us. The world should be able to look at us and say, listen, there's something different about that Kristen. There's something different about that Shantae. There's something different about that Ralph Marlowe, that, that Kimberly. There's something different about them. How are you so at peace? Because God is my source. Because God is my source. And if you're going to learn how to be blessed in every season, how to operate in the blessing every season, in the words of my spiritual mother, Apostle Cynthia Brazen, you have to learn to take God seriously. Amen. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. You are such a gracious God. You're such a kind God. You're such a good God. And you are a complete God. There is not one area of our lives that you have left to chance. There is not one area of our lives that you do not have provision for. You have made a way. And you're not a barely making it away, God. And you're not a just show up at the very end, God. You are an on time before we knew we had a need kind of God and we thank you for that and we repent for all of the times that we have allowed the atmosphere and the environment around us to make us complainers and make us murmurers and make us back up off of what you said. We forget for, uh, we repent for all the times that we forgot the last time you blessed us, the last time you came through, the last time you made a way, the last time you showed up. We repent for that, Father, and we decide to put ourselves in the proper position knowing that we are complete in you. We thank you that because of Jesus, we can boldly come to the throne standing in a complete place, that you have made provision for every area. You are our peace. You are our mind regulator. You are our immune, um, our, our immunity, our protector. You are our divine provision. You are our favor. You are everything we need. We are complete in 
you. Help this not just to be words that we say on Sunday morning or words that we say when someone makes the declaration in our Facebook group. Let this be the reality from which we live that we are complete in you. And in fact, so much abundance flows from in us from you that we can give it away and still not have lack. Help us to stop seeing ourselves as limited and barely making it and don't know what we're going to do kind of people to people who are victorious in our Christ. You are Jehovah Jireh. Now, Holy Spirit, come and blow up all of the lives of scarcity, all of the mess that we have believed. Show us how we get out of alignment with what with heaven and we get into agreement with earth and we get into agreement with hell and then we suffer the impacts. We break covenant with that today. We give you praise with much thanksgiving. We are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you believe you blessed, you need to declare, I am blessed. I'm blessed in every season. I am blessed in every season. I am blessed in every season. I am blessed in every season. I really just wanted to encourage you today to not to forget who you are. I am blessed in every season. There is never a season where God doesn't have provision for me. How do believers miss provision? You look at something other than God. How do I miss provision? I look at my job. I look at the economy. I look at what I think the president should do. Let me tell you something. I believe that the government should do a lot better than they do, but whether they do good or not, I'm going to be blessed. That's what I'm here to say. Why? Because I am in this world, but I am not of this world. And my government is a higher government. And my king is the king of kings who always has everything I need in every season. Now you got to stop and ask yourself, is that how you live every day because if it's not how you live every day you're tossed and turned by the economic seas you're tossed and turned by the news reports you're tossed and turned by what your friends are going through our god is the king of kings he always has provision he's always looking out he always has what he need what he need and i will not miss my provision looking at something else now, listen, when we teach a message like this, it's so easy to look around and look and tell other people what they should do. But tell your neighbor, say, this one is for you, baby. This one is for you, baby. This is not the time to bump your husband and say, see, that's what I'm talking about. You need to quit being so anxious. Or to text your friend and say, see, that's what I'm talking about. You need to quit being so anxious. This is one of those times that you allow the Holy Spirit to show you how you act in pressure. Let's go to Colossians 2. Colossians 2.10. It says, we are complete in him. Jesus mirrors our wholeness and endorses our true identity. He is, I am in us. Let's read it again. <laughs> no, no, back up. You are complete in him. Let me ask you something. What does complete mean? <clears throat> what does it mean to be complete? What does it mean to be complete? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Is that what complete means? So if I'm complete in him, how am I incomplete at the gas station? 
How am I incomplete at the grocery store? How am I incomplete at my job? How am I incomplete with my family? I can never be incomplete again. But what I can do is I can allow my perspective, my perspective to cause me to live as though I'm incomplete. Tell your neighbor, say, I am complete. And so when I see myself, I was looking on Facebook the other day. And um, Ralph, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I want to go back to... Um, I want to go back to Colossians 1 where we talk about that in different mindset when we get through with this. Um, I was looking on Facebook the other day and I saw this guy who goes to church a lot and and, 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 I, and he said, um, God, I want to thank you for the crumbs. And all of these people was like, oh, God, thank you for the crumbs. And I said, is this all we think our God is? Now, how many of you are parents? If you're a parent, lift your hand. If you are a God mama, a God daddy, something, lift your hands. I want you to stop and ask how you would feel if your family had a big cookout. And y'all had cooked all of the best of the best of whatever your family likes for cookouts. And you looked down and saw your kids sitting on the floor. Tell my daddy, thank you for the crumbs. And you saw your little nephew sitting on the floor saying, ooh, uncle, thank you for the crumbs. Wouldn't that make you feel some kind of way? When It's like we got a whole table up here. Why are you eating off of the floor? Why are you eating with the crumbs? And I just wondered as I read that and I watched so many people go, ooh, God, thank you for the crumbs. I wonder how many times we've been sitting on the floor eating the crumbs and Abba has been like, what in the world are you doing down there? What in the world are you doing down there in bare minimum? What in the world are you doing down there begging other people to provide for you? What are in the world are you doing down there just showing up, hoping somebody go cash app you? What in the world are you doing down there saying you ain't going to make it unless so-and-so come through for you? What in the world are you doing? Come on in where the table is spread and the feast of the Lord is going on. But you do realize. That if your kid was sitting on the floor eating the crumbs and the table is spread, that especially if your kid is an adult. Now, if your kid is a child, you can make them get up and get in their seat. If your kid is an adult, you can't make them eat at the table. Even if you can get them to sit at the chair, you can't make them actually eat from the table. Many of you come to church week after week. You come to prayer. You come to to Friday prayer. You come to Tuesday prayer. You come to midweek service. You come to praise and worship, but you're still sitting at the table, not partaking in the feast. Why? Because you think your provision has to come from someone other than God. God is the source. He may use people. He may use jobs, but God is the source. That's why I don't put my attention on the people. I put my attention on the source because the source is unlimited. The source can supply in every economy. See, your mama may not have as much money when inflation goes up and your daddy may not have as much when gas prices goes up, but God never has a limit. 
And some of you as parents, you need to take this word because you've even said, said, maybe we can't take a vacation or maybe we can't do this. Or you were over here looking at one venue that was going to increase you because you thought that it was going to increase you before the summer was over. And then you don't even realize you made that your source. I'm still going to do everything I was going to do because God is my source. Oh, this is so good. All right. Now go back to Colossians 1. Your indifferent mindset. So my mindset about provision, my indifferent mindset, it, I love God, but I disagree with him. I love God, but I don't think there's enough. I love God, but I give it get into anxiety and worry. So my indifferent mindset alienates me from God into a lifestyle, a lifestyle of annoyances, hardship, and labor. Yes, he has fully reconciled me and restored me to my original design, but my mindset is keeping me separate. Tell your neighbor, upgrade your mind. You got to upgrade your mind. This has got to be more than, oh, I'm a shout about this. Oh, I'm going to run around. It has to be. I've got to get rid of an indifferent mindset that tells me that because the economy is crazy, that I'm going to struggle. No, no, no. In fact, when the economy is crazy, I'm going to be a blessing to somebody else. Listen, and some of you can just check yourself right now. As inflation has increased, as things have increased, you're not sowing the way you used to sow. You're not looking to be a blessing every day because you have a shortage scarcity mindset because you thought your paycheck was the source, not your seed. My seed determines how I live. It is always determined how I live and it will always determine how I live. And you cannot keep me broke regardless to what the world is doing because God is my source and my seed has tapped me into a supernatural spirit season that allowed me to prosper like heaven in every season. You can check yourself. See, the reality is that it will be self-reflective. The Bible says judge yourself and unless you be and you don't have to be judged that if I would if I can look and see. See, last year when you felt there was increase, you were sowing every day. God, who can I bless today? God, who can I increase today? Let me ask you time. How many times you do that this week? How many times did you do that this week? How many times did you get up and say, "Listen, I'm, I'm, it's somebody out here really struggling. It's somebody out here they don't know that they they don't know that you're a provider. They don't know that. Oh, but all I had was five dollars. Oh, but I can take that five dollars and I can cause that five dollars to multiply so many times over. I love it. Latanya said I did it four times. Why? Because she's letting us know I'm not backing up off of what I believe. I don't let the pressure of world of the world cause me to back up what up off of what I believe. I don't back up. I don't retreat. Oh, glory to God. Okay. All right. So we don't want to have an indifferent mindset. Now we looked at Colossians 2. Colossians told us that Jesus is our mirror image. Jesus is our mirror image. Well, let's look at what Jesus did when he was facing lack. Because when I find out what Jesus did when he was facing lack, that's what I need to do. We're going to go to John 6. What We're going to go to John 6 and we're going to read for a little while. Now, not only did we sow, but we expect harvest. We expect provision. We expect the contract. 
If that contract don't come, we expect the next one. We expect the overflow. We expect what we need to be to be found, to be on sale if it needs to be on sale. We expect increase. We expect, to ask your neighbor, say, what kind of expectation do you have? I do what Jesus did during Lent. That's why we have scripture. If he's our mirror, the scripture tells us what Jesus did in Lent. Let's look at what Jesus did in Lent. Let's look at John 6, okay? I'm going to read it verse 1. I'm going to read for a while. It said, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. So a lot of people follow Jesus, more than the people that's in your family. A lot of people follow Jesus. It says, and Jesus went up unto a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover a feast was not. And when Jesus looked up, lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him. And he said, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And verse six, I love this. He said, and he said this to prove to them for he himself, he knew what he would do. Now, here's the picture. Jesus has been ministering to all of these people. He has healed the people who have all types of sickness. He's cast out devils and all of this stuff. And now he's gone to a mountain with his disciples. And because he's gone to his mount mountain with the disciples, the people, they still have need of him. And so they begin to follow him. He's sitting with his disciples and he looks up and he sees that there is a great company of people that have followed him. He turns to his disciples and he says, when shall we buy bread that they may eat? He, and he said this to prove for him, for he knew what he would do. Here's the first thing you need to take. In every situation you face, God already knows what he's going to do. You do not have a situation that throws God off scale. You do not have an unexpected bill that God calls the angels and say, we didn't know that one was coming. You do not have a medical expense. You do not have the fact that you're, you need new tires. You do not have the fact that your refrigerator or your heat, your air condition needs to be replaced. He already knows what he's going to do. And I submit to you that we miss what he's going to do for the same reason the disciples were about to miss it. Philip answered him and said, 200 worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may take a little. He's literally, imagine this. Philip is sitting with the living word. He is sitting with God Almighty in flesh. And instead of asking Jesus, how could we feed them? He looks in the treasury and says, this is not enough to get the job done. You're filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized with fire, speaking in tongues. And when an unexpected bill comes up, Instead of you looking at the Holy Spirit and saying, what are we going to do? You say what we have isn't enough. But the Bible tells us that Jesus came to show us God and ourselves. 
So he is showing us what God does when it looks like there's lack, but he's also showing us who we are even when we're facing lack. And one of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother said, there is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Now you could just go ahead and repent right here because how many times have you looked at your account? How many times have you looked at the needs and said, what is that among so many? How in the world are we gonna take a vacation and get this new house with the way gas prices are going up. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. We don't want the house. That's okay. We ain't really want a house right now. It ain't really that important to go on vacation. And then what we do is we start lying to ourselves. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What you say is, well, I didn't really want to do that. No way. It ain't really no big deal if we don't get to do that. And, and literally, you take yourself out of encounter with the miracle because you look at what you have and you talk about how little is instead of saying God is still God in every circumstance and see you listen you got to decide you got to be like listen I, I I'm listen I made a decision several years ago it's, this has been a long-standing challenge among our community our close friends everybody in our close friends we want to be the biggest givers at FOC that's our goal when we sitting around talking about what we're going to do, when we're sitting around talking about where we're going to go, when we're sitting around talking about that, what stays at the beginning of that is I want to be the biggest giver. I want to be the biggest giver. So we're always using our faith to be, the, we want to be the biggest giver. And see, every believer in FOC, if FOC has changed your life and said, you should say, I want to be the biggest giver. Because you ought to say, you know what? It's cool that we give away $10,000 scholarships, but I feel like that really needs to be full scholarship. So I need to increase because I need to be the biggest giver because I need to be able to fund a whole scholarship, even if they go to a private college, even if they go to a Spelman, even if they go to a Morehouse. I love Latanya said, I'm coming for you. Come on, baby, because I'm increasing i got increase all over me so come on because if everybody would do that i want you to think about what we could do in the world if everybody was so increased minded that you said you know what listen here i know for a fact that we give away some ten thousand dollar scholarships and we also give away a four thousand dollar scholarship and i really need that scholarship i I want to be, I wish I had somebody to say, you know what? I want to be the first person. My family go be the first person that we pay for a full scholarship. No, no, no. But instead, what we've been trained to do by the world is that we say, what is that among so many? What is that among so many? I know I said, I know we got the scholarship fund coming up in 10, 000, in, in, um, in, in in July where we do our big push. And I know I said that this year I was going to give $10,000, but it's looking real sketchy. What is, what, how can I do that among so many? How can I do that among so many? And then let's keep going with this. He says, there's a lad with five barley loaves and two small fish, but what is that among so many? How many times have you discounted your seed? What is that among so many? What, what is that amongst them? I'm trying to get you to locate yourself. Hear me. I'm not fussing at you. I'm trying to get you to be able to identify when you retreat from the promises of God because of external pressure. Why? Because if you recognize when you retreat, you can stop retreating. Now, I love this because I want to stop and teach you something. Okay. So 
I, I just let me teach you and these my friends so they're not going to trip. Latanya said, I am the biggest giver. Shantae said, I want to be the biggest giver. The difference in what Shantae said and what Latanya said is that Latanya took present possession of it, even though it may not be her natural reality today, she stepped herself in a thinking feeling cycle where she is, has become what she is not in the natural. When she sees herself as the biggest giver, she begins to look for opportunities to make what she is come to pass. Faith is always now. I got to take it now. I got to take it now. I don't know if y'all know this. I don't know if this is still true. Um, football players, college football people, don't, don't, don't judge me too hard if I mess this up. But it, it, there was a period of time, and I don't know if it still exists, when Nick Saban had to be the highest paid coach in college football which meant that even if all they did was add a dollar once all of the other contracts were signed, that is what would happen for him. When we have that kind of mindset, then it would literally be like, then it's one more dollar, then it's one more dollar, then it's one more dollar, then it's one more dollar. And let me tell you what happens is that when I really begin to believe that I am the biggest givers, I am the biggest giver at Fellowship of Champions. I am a distribution center. Then what begins to happen is that I don't just sit on my couch. I look for the opportunities that would make that reality. I look for the opportunities that would make that reality. And I count it as an honor. I count it as a privilege to be able to be a solution. Let me let me, let me just pause. I'm going to come back to John 6. We almost done, but I'm going to come back to John 6. But I got to teach you something. Many of you don't even realize that in this, me and Pastor Edwin talked to, to our leaders about this, Pastor Chris, Pastor Ralph, about this the other day. We were talking about how when people begin to see you as the solution, they ask you for resources. And if you're not careful, you can get aggravated by the number of people who ask you for resources. Well, part of the reason that you get aggravated with the number of people who ask you for resources, because you start looking at the limited supply that you have. And you begin to think, if I keep funneling out like this, are we going to continue to have the resources that we have? We have to remember that the promise God made to Abraham is that we would be blessed to be a blessing. Hear me. I did not say you had to give to everybody who asked. That's not what I said, y'all. I said we should not be offended when they ask because who else would they ask except for people who look like our God? Who else would they ask? And sometimes we distribute and sometimes we teach and sometimes God said, but see, we got to elevate our mind. See, because the reality of it is, is that when we get aggravated with people because they come back for multiple help, we think God is aggravated with us because we come back for multiple help. Well, that was free. I felt, I don't think, I, I feel like y'all didn't feel that in y'all chest like that. I feel like y'all felt a little, I, 
I feel like y'all felt a little salty about that, but you can do with it what you want to. I'm just telling you how to live the blessed life and how you live the blessed life is that in every situation, whether I have money in my account or whether I don't have the money in my account, I look to God as the source and I remember that he owns everything. Pastor Edwin told us that God owns everything and we own nothing. So if God wants me to be a blessing to you every single month, that's on God. You know why? Because it's all God's money. And as long as I'm a good distribution, center I'm always going to have. Whew. All right, let's go back. What is that among so many? Jesus begins to give instructions. The other thing we're going to learn is that whenever there's an opportunity for lack, God is going to give instructions. Tell your neighbor, say, God is going to give instructions. God is going to give instructions. He begins to give instructions. The instructions don't make sense. He says, make the men sit down. Jesus, why would we make the men sit down? We only have some fish and some loaves. A mama packed a lunch for her little boy, and she going to come and fight us if she find out that we took her son lunch and tried to feed these people and he didn't eat. God is going to give instructions. It doesn't make sense to sit them down. He says, sit them down. Now, there was much grass, so the men sat down in a number about 5,000. How in the world is God going to take this little bitty lunch, this this lunch from Captain D's, this lunch from Catfish Hole, how is he going to take this little bitty lunch? And it says 5,000 men. That doesn't include women and children. How many times is he, how is he going to take this little and make it more? It says, then Jesus took the loaves. Y'all look at this in verse 11. It says, Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were sat down and likewise the fish as much as they, as they would. Now, I want you to pause there. Ralph, if you can, go to the one in Matthew and pull it up in Matthew. I want to see that same verse. This is very interesting to me. There are very few stories that the disciples tell that's in every gospel. The feeding of the 5,000 is in every gospel. It is in every gospel. He's going to multiply, but he's going to give instructions. That's Mark, Matthew 13. That's where we're going now, Ralph. We're going to Matthew 13. I'm sorry, Matthew 14. Matthew 14, it starts with verse 13. Are y'all learning anything today? Look at verse 19, because it tells us he didn't just give thanks. It says, bring them to me. And he directed the people to sit down and taking the five loaves and the two fish. What did he do, guys? Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. He didn't just give thanks for the little that he had. He looked up to heaven. Why did he look up to heaven? What did he know about heaven? There is no lack. There is no shortage. He's faced with a problem. But the problem is really an opportunity, guys. He's faced with this problem. He's got a, he doesn't have enough money to feed all of the people. He doesn't have enough food to feed all of the people. But he tells the people to sit down. 
When he tells the people to sit down, he doesn't look at the people. He doesn't look at his disciples and he does not look at the boy. I want you to understand, Michael says he acknowledged the father. He goes beyond acknowledging the father. He actually goes to heaven. We're seated in heavenly places. You can too. He goes to heaven because he's in an environment of lack. So he leaves an environment of lack to go to an environment of abundance. He goes to heaven. He sees that there is no lack in heaven and he breaks the bread looking at heaven. He doesn't break the bread looking at his checking account. He doesn't break the bread looking at how many, how many more people we got to eat, how many more people we got to feed. Did everybody get enough? No, no, no. He looks to heaven. Why does he look to heaven? Because heaven is his source. You always look at your source. Where do you look when it looks like, like it's not enough? Where do you look? Because wherever you look, I'm gonna wait till I'm, I'm gonna wait till my check come. I'm gonna wait till so and so happen. Where do you look? See, because I want you to be self-reflective because you can't transform unless you're self-reflective. I don't just want you to get hype. Yes, this makes me hype, but I don't just want you to get hype because if you just get hype, you, you gotta say, when it's more bills than I thought it was gonna be, where do I look? When, when my kid come in and they want one more thing and I just bought them four things, where do I look? When my husband or my wife asked for a bigger anniversary present than I had budgeted for, wh where do I look? Where do I? No, no, no. Well, Pastor Sean, I heard, I heard that. I heard that. Well, Pastor Sean, what I'm trying to do is be a good steward. Uh, a good steward does what the father says. A good steward would have to know what the father said about a situation. So this good steward thing, yes, we should be good stewards. But if Ralph has entrusted me with his Bentley Bentayga, if he's entrusted me to steward over his Bentley Bentayga, and I'm out here making decisions about his Bentley out of alignment with him, I'm not a good steward. Now, you may be like, oh, but you washed it every day. But that's not the instruction that he gave me to do. That's not what he told me to do. If if he says, listen here, Pashon, you're entrusted with my Bentega while I'm gone. What I want you to do, he said, once a week, I want you to go and I want you to find some young kids who don't know that they could live this way. And I want you to give them a ride in the bend the Bentega to expand their mind. And I go, I'm not going to do that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to wash it every day and I'm going to leave it parked at my house. Now you may go, well, that just makes sense. That's such an expensive car. Why would you let them kids in that car? Except I didn't own it. So I didn't get to make the choice. Many of you, your good stewardship is the reason that you are in lack because your good stewardship is based on you and not based on the source. You look at yourself. You look at your checking account. You look at your credit score. You look at everything but God. Now, here's what you do do. You do ask God to do something with what you, once you done figured out that you don't have enough. But what would happen if you started by looking at the source? What would happen if even when my spiritual mother taught me this and it really changed my life? Tell your neighbor, say, this is not just a word for people who don't have. This is not just a word for people who don't have. 
This is a word for people who have committed their life to God as their source. Now let's go back. I want to go back to John 6 and I want to say more about what my spiritual mother said. And then we're, you know, we really not going to be here as long as when it's me and Pastor Elwin. It says, let's go back to verse 11. It says, and Jesus took the loaves and he had given thanks. He looked up to heaven. He began to pull from his supply and he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were sat down and likewise the fish as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said, what? Come and gather the fragments. You mean to tell me Jesus pulled so much abundance from heaven that not only did they feed everybody, but there was some left over. Tell your neighbor, say, when you trust God, there will always be some left over. When you trust God, there will always be some left over. <laughs> when you trust in God, there will always be some left over. And I want you to think about this. He says, gather the fragments. Now, we think about fragments as little things, things that's not very much, right? Fragments. And therefore, they gathered them together and they filled how many baskets? Twelve baskets. That's more than he had. Heaven is the greatest return system there is. Heaven is always recession proof. Heaven is always working. So the boy starts with one. He gives it to Jesus. Jesus uses heaven's resources, heaven's economy in order to feed everybody. And then the boy ends up with 12 more. Like, come, come on, guys. When we trust God, there's always something left over. There's always something left over. Why is there something always left over? Because you always got to have something for your next seed. It's always going to be something left over because he's always got to give you something else for your next seed. Because we live by seed, time, and harvest. Now, as we get ready to wrap up, I'm gonna, I want to tell you something. My spiritual mother taught me this. And it's been something I've taken years practicing. And now, I, I mean, over the last several years, I've finally gotten it. So what happens here is that when people don't have, they typically look at other people. So when people don't have, we see this every day. It's no shade. It's no shame. When people don't have, we see them standing at the corner. Will you help me? Now, I'm going to say a couple things that may sting a little bit. Everybody should need help. Sometimes nobody should need help all the time. And when I say all the time, it shouldn't be a season in your life every year where you need help. And so you have to begin to say, what's happening in my life that I have these seasons, these cycles, where sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down. And I will submit to you that you probably are looking at something other than God. Because what God is real good at doing is saying, hey, Chris, don't spend that right now. I need you to sow that in the kingdom. Don't buy that right now. Instead, I need you to sow that because he knows something is coming so that he can set you up for the future, okay? All right. So my spiritual mother said to me, she said, when people have resources, they look at their resources. Now you can just judge yourself. When, when we don't, like, 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 let's say right today, hypothetically, that the Lord said, I want everybody to sow a $100 offering. I'm not saying he said that. I'm just using an example. 
I want everybody to sow an offering of $100 today. When people don't have $100, they either say, he's not talking to me because I don't have $100, or they ask God how to get the $100. And God may say, okay, Pastor Ralph, you don't have $100, but you got 40, give the 40. And the rest of the week, I'm going to give you the money until you get to the $100. Do you see what I'm saying, guys, right? But when people have $100, they just do it without any consulting God. So what tends to happen as people get more money is that they start to have fewer miracles. And the reason you start to have fewer miracles, because without even realizing it, you become dependent on what's in the account. Now you say, Pashon, if I got $100, why wouldn't I just spend the $100? Because maybe God wants to stretch you. Maybe God wants to show you something. Maybe God wants to help you not be dependent on what's in the account because he knows that the account can, can, can y'all, I want y'all to hear this. Hear this. Put this in the comments. My accounts can never afford me. Selah, my accounts can never afford me. My accounts can never afford me. How many of you have found out that as you learn to give, you always want to give more? That as you get exposed to new things, you always want to be exposed to more? That as you help people, you always want to... Your My accounts cannot afford me. I would be silly to put my weight on my accounts when I can put my weight on the accounts of heaven that never run out. Let me tell you who got this down pat. That Canaan Strickland, baby. Canaan Strickland, understand that. Canaan Strickland go, I get paid from my parents for doing chores. This is how much money I have in my account. Canaan can go to the store with the money in her account. She will text me. This is what she do, y'all. She just did it to me yesterday two times. She says, oh, this is cute. She's looking to see what I think is cute too. Because what she's figured out is that if I think it's cute enough, I am likely to tell her to use my account, not her account, which means that she gets the shirt and she gets to keep her money. Now, sometimes I go, that's cute. I'm not buying it. She don't stop. She don't get discouraged. She don't get discouraged. She just go, all I got to do is find something that my mama want to see on me so bad that she willing to spend her money for. And that's what I'm going to do. She never assumes. And I'm going to be honest with you. It used to irritate me. It used to irritate me. I'd be like, I already gave her money. Why doesn't she use her money? And he says, she acts like you should. to anybody else how many times have you been limited in your giving and in your living because you looked at yourself how many times have you said that it couldn't be done because you said what is this among so little because you made the thing so big babe that babe was out yesterday and listen so yesterday i had told her about this new place that had this um 
It's called Brick House, and it's got like all these different little mini shops in it, right? And um, I told her about it. I didn't tell her to go. I just told her about it. Her and her friend was out someplace else. When she get there and she sees something, this is what she said. Since you told me about it, I figured you knew I would go. She said, because you know I like clothes. So I figured you told me about it. So because you wanted me to go. How you're looking at yourself. Like this should be the, the thing of your life. God, how do you want me to pay for that? God, how do you want me to pay for that? Now, what I say to Canaan sometimes when she says, mom, what you want me to do about that? I say, what God say? What did God say? And then sometimes she said, well, God told me to leave that there. Yeah, he did. He Because God don't, God don't always totally let you have every single thing. Like, it's not just that everything is about you. But then the other week when I said to her, the other week, Ralph's daughter, who is, what, how old is Ava? Five. She wanted these Crocs. And, um, and Canaan came in the room while Ava happened to be telling her parents that she wanted these Crocs. I said to Canaan, here's a good opportunity for you to sew into your future. You know you go want some, girl, you go want some clothes tomorrow. You ought to sew. Literally, as we stand in there, she's taking the money in her account and she's dispersing the money out. Why? Because she knows the seed brings harvest. If I had to choose, I just want to tell you how to live my life. If I had to choose between giving you a meal and me a meal, I'm going to sew into your life. Because if I sew into your life, I'm going to get many meals. If I got to choose between you need a shirt and me getting another shirt, oh, I'm going to go ahead and get you that shirt. You know why? Because you, because me sowing into your life, seed time and harvest is the greatest system ever. It always produces. All right, listen, I'm done. What I'm trying to get you to understand, what do I want you to do this week? I want you to be self-reflective. I want you to ask yourself. I want you to stop and pay attention. When there is pressure, when the account gets low, when it's time to pump gas, where do you look? That's, that's all I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to invite Holy Spirit to say, where am I limiting God and calling it good stewardship? Where is fear hiding have I backed up off of my sewing? And I don't even, because the truth of it is, Fellowship of Champions is 100% tithe in church. The people who tithe go tithe no matter what. I'm talking about the rest of your giving. I'm talking about the rest of your giving. Because the rest of your giving, if some of us are honest, this time last year, we were sewing every single day, multiple times a day. Literally, we were just looking for an opportunity to be a blessing, be a blessing. Did gas prices change you? Change that for you? Because if did, gas prices are your source, not God. So I got to stick to the basics. I want to give y'all one more scripture as we get ready to do the announcements. One more scripture. It's the scripture I live by and giving y'all know that it's 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 9. No, we still in the sewing game. No, and where am I limiting God and calling this stewardship? Stick to the basics. And one of the things that really challenges believers is that 
Every great athlete will tell you if somebody's a great golfer, if they're great at bowling, if they're great at basketball, they will tell you that no matter how fancy you get, if you lose the basics, you lose what it takes. Seed time and harvest and Thanksgiving is a basic for the believer. We use it in every single season. Basics win championships basics bring increase. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9. You guys can get ready to give. If you haven't given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you should send a message in here because the greatest seed he ever sown was the seed for salvation so that one son could bring many sons. You can bring yourself, come back to the family, get up off the floor eating crumbs. Those of you who believers and you've been in a backslidden state causing yourself to eat crumbs, get up from eating crumbs. Come on back to the table and experience all God's goodness, completeness, not just money, but everything that you need. But let's look at 2 Corinthians and this just will be our offering teaching. This just will be our offering teaching. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified 2 Corinthians the ninth chapter. It says, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, I love the scripture in, in the Amplified. You have no idea how much I love it. It says, for God loves. He takes pleasure in. He prizes above other things. And this is what you ought to highlight. And is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do giver whose heart is in his giving. Verse 8, and here's the promise. What does God do for that person? That cheerful, prompt to do giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace. Why am I able to be abundant in every season? Because I live under the system of all grace. Sometimes I need money. Sometimes I need favor. Sometimes I need access. Sometimes I need wisdom. Whatever I need, when I'm a cheerful, quick, prompt to do giver, God is able to make all grace and every favor and every earthly blessing come to you what? In abundance, come to you in overflow so that you may always and under all circumstances, whatever the need be self-sufficient, the Lord will bring you out of begging. The Lord will bring you out of being dependent on your job. The Lord will bring you out of being dependent on your spouse. He will is able to make to require no aid or support furnished in abundance overflow for every good work and charitable donation. It is a good work for you to tithe. It is a good work for you to give to the poor. It is a good work for you to be a blessing. It is a good work for you to be able to do a full scholarship. It is a good work for you to go on a vacation to a beautiful place and enjoy your family. They are all good works and he makes all grace abound. Amen. Come on and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We got some announcements for you this week. Let's see. Let me give you the Sean Strickland version of the announcements and ready, go. Tomorrow at noon, we're going to have strategies for success with me. Join me if you have the ability. Oh, wait, wait. Okay, y'all got to stay tuned to be determined. It's Memorial Day. I don't know if I'm having strategies for success. 
Just if you see it come up, jump on. If you don't, then no, I didn't have it. That's all I got for you right now. But on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, we're going to have prayer. One of our spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-led intercessors is going to be leading you in prayer. And you want to come to prayer because something supernatural always happens when we pray. Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have Ignite. And many of you, your children don't know the word. And you need to help them know the word by getting them to Ignite. And many of you, your children may have been busy during this this um, school year doing something on Wednesday night, but it is summertime and you need to get them to ignite. Do you know why? Because you are not going to always be there to be able to instruct them in righteousness and you need them to hear the Holy Ghost and to know the word. You need to get them to ignite. After that, you need to jump yourself right on to Bible study at 8 p.m. Central. You need to have your notebook and your water, and you need to show up ready to be taught the word. Why? Because the more words you have, the less you retreat when the enemy comes for you, and you can live in victory, and you have something to give to the rest of the world. Refresh Bible study. Come and be refreshed by the word. On Thursday, you should have fun, but that does not include sin. On Friday morning, you should get up at 6.30 a.m., and you should come back to prayer again because that is where all of the champions gather and we pray for the will of God to be done. On Saturday, you should enjoy your family. On Sunday, you should come right back here at 9 a.m. and you should join Pastor Chris and Elder Valley as they lead us into a high time of worship in the Lord. And after that, you should come on back. It'll be June 5th and it will be the huddle, baby. And you should find yourself in Northwest Arkansas at Fellowship of Champions Church because we will be there in the huddle. And I want to say, for those of you who didn't even look for a flight but wanted to come, it just shows you that this message is necessary because you counted yourself out without even giving God an opportunity to see what he would do. You decided that it wasn't in your budget before you could even see what God would do. How do you know that God didn't even want to make your life a testimony about how he could get you to the huddle when it didn't look like you had the resources, but you didn't even give God a chance to be God? Aren't you tired of being God in your own life? Don't you want to let God be God? Life is way more fun and a lot easier when you let God be God. This concludes the announcements for Fellowship of Champions. Oh, no, no, one more. On demand. Get them little babies on on demand. And some of you need to get on on demand, too, because it teaches some good character principles that would help you not be acting a fool at work and being passive aggressive and being moody and all of that different stuff and acting out with your husband and with your kids. So you need to go on demand. In fact, some of us who don't have kids, you need to go on there and you need to go through the on demand so that you can get the basic lessons that cause you to be victorious in every area of life. Now, let me close by saying this. This is Fellowship of Champions. I am Pastor Sean Strickland, who is not here with my super cute husband, Pastor Ellen Strickland. And we are church teaching you to do what? Walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every week, in every area of life. And I pray that you will do that every day this week. And we will see you real soon. God bless you.